morning, everybody. We're feeling nice and warm and toasty now in this space. Feeling good. You may take your seats. My name's Michelle, um, as um, Riley mentioned. It's so good to be able to come and be able to bring the word here this morning. And if we haven't met, um, a lot of my time is spent in our Merrow campus, but it's so great to be able to come and gather and to be able to worship our great God. That I like what Riley was saying. It doesn't matter if we've been here for many years, week in, week out, being able to come and gather and worship God, or whether this is your first Sunday in, that as we open up the Word of God, our prayer is always that as we open it, as we hear it, as we read it, that our hearts and our lives would be transformed a little bit more towards what Christ looks like. So may that be the case for you as well this morning. Um, Has anyone ever experienced the bottomless cup. Has anyone had this? Maybe gone to the US, this is where it really comes from. Yeah, uh, (laughs) Daniel has. This is good, Daniel. And now that, you know, flights are open and everyone's booking holidays, I've heard about the McLean amazing holiday that's coming up, um, that, you know, maybe this might be on your cards or might not. But I remember a few years ago when we were travelling to the US and I've got three kids, they're now much older, they're 25, 24 and 19. And um, we went along and there was this family restaurant at the time, I don't know, maybe it was 10 years ago, it feels like a few years ago, but listen, we're getting very old very fast. And um, we're in the restaurant and they were just mind blown because when you order a meal and you order a drink, it's bottomless. You've experienced this, Michelle, I'm seeing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what happens is, as you drink your drink, the waiter or waitress comes and they just keep popping that thing up and you drink it and they keep pouring it and they keep going. Unlike here, I think we get the refills where, you know, you get up and you can go and fill up your own cup. A different story when you're stationary at the table, chatting, eating, drinking, and I don't know how many litres of sugar they drank that day, but we cottoned on to it. It was like, okay, enough now, stop drinking, so they'd stop filling it in. But every time that thing became empty, more and more sugar would get poured into there as to more and more sugar would go into them, and they were very lively children. But this morning, as we um, open up the Word, we're going to open up in 2 Kings 4, verses 1 to 7. And this scripture is talking about the widow's oil. You may be familiar with this story. And it, it talks about this widow who's in a predicament where there is a situation that has happened in her life and that there's this desperation that comes. And we're going to read here in 2 Kings. If you've got your Bibles, you can pull them out. If not, we prepared it earlier for you. Great. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. And he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. 
She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So the context of what's happening here. This widow is um, at this point where the creditor is coming. She has lost her husband. She is in this space of being able to pay, needing to pay this debt that is left. And there is no means for her to be able to do that. And the creditor is coming to her and she, they're wanting to take their two sons to be able to come and be slaves, to be able to pay off the debt that is outstanding. She had these debts and there was no means whatsoever where she was able to pay that off. The legal system at the time was um, not allowing her to be able to declare bankruptcy this day and this age where, you know, situations get us and finances aren't going well. There is this option of bankruptcy. There was no option for this widow. There was no option that she, she had there to be able to just declare, okay, let's just wipe that off and I'll rebuild and, and work out how I can regain my finances. This creditor was coming for her. And at that time, the only way possible was to be able to have these two sons go and to be able to pay that debt off until the year of Jubilee. And so in this space, she comes and she's in desperation. She goes and looks for the man of God. This idea that Elisha is the prophet of the day, of that time, and that she goes to him being the man of God with desperation and be like, how can you help me? I'm in this situation. I've lost a husband and they're coming for my sons. Man of God, how can you help me? As a mum, you, you sort of feel the, the heartbreak of um, this desperation of this woman. She can't see a way out of this. And she comes to the man of God. She comes to him and Elisha's response to her. Over here is, Elisha has a question and then follows it up with a question. My thinking behind this is probably because she's obviously in this desperate state. And she has a big story towards getting to this place of where she's at asking for help. And so Elisha, being a very wise man, is probably like, how can I help you? But then quickly like, no, I don't want to hear every detail of every story, of every moment of what is taking place here. You know, women, we like to give full details of all that's taken place, potentially maybe taking an hour off his time at this point. So he asks her a question, how can I help you? And then quickly, wisely follows up with, well, what do you have? She says to him, and he's, her immediate response to him at that time is that I have nothing at all. I have nothing at all. I can imagine in this story as um, she comes to Elisha, probably with this anticipation of Elisha, the man of God, I've got this debt, how can you turn around and how can you maybe help me, maybe the finances to pay this debt off? And so he asks her this question, well, what do you have? What do you have that can help this situation? And so I can imagine hers like within moments just scanning through all the possessions maybe she's got, all the stuff that's in her house, all the things that she, she may have and own, maybe some bedding, maybe some cooking stuff, maybe some utensils, maybe some clothes, scans it all very quickly, immediately says, I have nothing at all. There is nothing there at all. And then... She follows up with, oh, except for, 
maybe a panning again and a backtracking again. That quick fleeting thought and immediate response to say, nah, I've got nothing. Nothing in this situation of what I've got is going to help pay the debt that I have right now. And then she says, actually, except for this small jar of oil. And when it talks about this small jar of oil, it's referring to not a large jar of oil that might be used for cooking and other things. It's talking about a small jar of oil. This jar, um, the size of a jar that would be used for anointing oil. So you can imagine and picture it being, you know, a smallish jar of oil. And you can, you can understand that, you know, through maybe the debt that she has, I don't know what it was, that when she quickly scans and pans through what she owns, you can understand how she would overlook maybe the small little bit of oil. But she realizes it. And she's like, oh, no, except for this thing. I have this small jar of oil as she scans. Have you ever had to say the phrase, or maybe you've been on the receiving end of a phrase, look again. Has anyone been in this position where, you know, the kids come and they're like, mom, where's the Vegemite? And you're like, it's the second, um, second shelf on the left. It's right there. And they're like, no, it's not. And it's like, look again. It's there. Anyone else? Just my house? No, come on, people. You know you've been there. Um, actually, it was really funny. On Friday, I was doing a bit of message prep at home and and admittedly, I'll, I'll say that the thing was moved, but Jeff comes to me and he's like, where's my shaving stuff? And we had, had something happening out the back and, and it had been admittedly moved. But listen, not too far away from where it was. Not too far. Not too far at all. And he's like, I've looked there and I've looked there and I'm like, look again. <laughs> this idea that, you know, we may see and observe our lives. We may be in this position of when we have a quick glance and a quick scan of who we are, what we have got, it's very easily rolling off our tongue at times to say, I have nothing at all. I've got nothing at all. But I'd encourage us to slow down enough to be able to be a little bit kinder to ourselves, to be able to look again who we are, what we have, what is within us. It may be as small as a jar of oil. It may just be a little thing that you may see. But I'd encourage us, every single one of us has got God-given things in us. Every single one of us, whether that is you feel a little bit of oil there, that as we look again, or you might be in that space, it's like, yeah, no, nah, I've scanned, I've panned two, three times, and Michelle, I've got nothing. That, one, I think you need to look again. <laughs> and there is something within each one of us, however small that might be, that has incredible potential in the hands of God, right? Incredible potential in the hands of God. And the work of the enemy sometimes works in our lives to be able to keep us from seeing what is in there. To be able to keep us or minimise what we have got. 
that allows us to just hold back or keeps us from even entering the game because we feel like, yeah, there's nothing there or I've got nothing there. But every single one of us, wherever it's a little drop to jars that are overfilling that God can use as much as what we will give him. This picture that is happening here and Elisha asks this lady, I just picture this conversation happening, and he asks her first, well, what do you have? And she's like, nah, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, and it was like this awkward, you know, lock of eyes, it's sunny over here, and I'm like, and he's like, really, you've got nothing? <laughs> like, you've got nothing? And she's like, oh, except for. There is this moment where sometimes you got to, just lock eyes with somebody, <laughs> whether you don't identify that in your life, the little bit of whatever we have, to be able to get real with somebody, to be able to draw out the little bit that you have got, to be able to recognise that. Maybe it's been a long time where you have just, you know, dismissed the things that are in our lives, those little things that God can grab hold of, and use in mighty ways. This poor widow, that she's in debt, she has nothing. And that you would agree that she is on the edge of empty. That that little bit of oil is almost nothing in the grand scheme of what she has. And the edge of empty, the more I'm thinking about this small amount of what is left over, of this oil has so much potential in the hands of God. The edge of empty that God can take hold of and use. Elijah goes and tells her, go to all your neighbours, go to every single one of them, don't ask for a few and go and grab as many jars as you possibly can. Go and grab as many that are available that she goes out, she was able to go and grab those jars and be able to go to every neighbour, not holding on, like it, maybe for me it would be like, oh yeah, you know, I'll just go to that neighbour and grab two jars. He's like, don't ask for a few, get many jars. That idea of edge of empty. And we may even be in that position feeling that I don't have a lot left in me. There is the reserve at the bottom of the tank right now. But in this, in this story, what we see is that Elisha tells her, don't come and bring full jars. Grab the empty jars. Because God wants to fill the empty jars. He wants to fill all those things that are empty. And when we come into this place, and sometimes when things are hard and things are, are going not so good, we get to the end of ourselves, and maybe it's just me. And they're the greatest moments where we draw to God and he is able to fill us. He is able to pour into our lives. And there's opportunity for God to move in that space. These jars were empty to be filled. But the other part of what I think we, we come up against here and today is that sometimes our jars are already full.
when we are on the west coast of Australia, sitting in Mullaloo, winter, the sun is shining, it is an amazing place to live. We can sometimes have jars that are way too full, jars that are not able for God to pour into, jars that are honestly too full of ourselves, too full of the things that we put in ourselves, that there is only drops that might come in from God. But God wants us to empty ourselves, to be able to get on the edge of empty, that he will pour in our lives, the fullness of who he is. I know for my life and in, the, in even reading and doing this, this message, that man, there's too much of myself in this vessel and in this jar that doesn't give space for God to pour into that this vessel of what he calls for each one of us, that we would have room and we'd have space for God to come and pour himself into us. And yet, we fill our lives with all these amazing things and the beaches. Why come to church every Sunday when we can go to the beach and go to the cafes? Or why um, read the word of God when I can just, you know, get up and do exercise instead? Or and all these little things that creep into our life that don't allow space for God to occupy us. These vessels that God chooses as the temple of the living God, that his spirit within us, that I don't think he is just wanting to put drops in each one of us. I think he is willing and ready to pour out in us. It's are we willing and ready to be a little bit empty to be filled up again? Are we willing to be on that edge of empty where he is able to pour into us? We are sometimes too strong, too capable, too self-reliant that God has no space to be able to pour out his spirit in us. The next part is to be in this place, to be positioned to be poured to be positioned to be able to be poured into. As this widow and her son closes the door with all the empty jars that they have gathered, they have gone to the neighbours, you know, maybe having to even swallow a bit of pride to go and collect jars from everyone. They go off, they get as many as they can, they come in, they shut that door. That idea of shutting the door, that in our private lives, when the door is shut, you know, God moves in powerful ways. There is this amazing expression that we have on a Sunday. But the mo it shouldn't be the be all and end all. From Monday to Saturday, those, those moments of those closed doors of being with God. That the Spirit of God is speaking to us, moving in our lives, talking through his word, our worship towards him that that would happen every moment in each day. So she grabs those jars, she shuts the door, the sons are in there, and you can only imagine that as she starts to tip that oil, you'll be like, what is going to happen in this moment? Is it going to continually pour? Is it going to continually come out? And then she fills one jar onto the next jar, onto the next jar, 
as many jars as she had available, God filled every single one. The measure and the, what we are able to be able to give ourselves towards God is what he will fill and use. This was only determined on how much the widow was able to go and bring and make available for God to use. There is a limit. And I think for our lives, the same applies. How much we are available to God is how much he will use us, that he would be with us, that he would encounter us, that sometimes it's just in these small moments like, God, I'm here, speak now. And he is faithful to speak. Every moment that we are able and available for God, he shows up in those moments. Sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we don't hear it. But he is always with us. That limit was only limited to what she was able to be able to give for God to use. There's something that we need to watch out for. That as we talk about this idea of being filled, that we're, when we're on the edge of empty, when sometimes the, th the stocks are running low, where, you know, energy is low or finances are low or, you know, we've been hurt by a relationship and, you know, the love tank is really depleted, that our tendency in those moments, that instead of continually pouring out, that our tendency is to want to hold it back. Our tendency is to want to hold things in reserve. That when my time is poor, well, no, I just need the, the available time I've got to be able to rest. When my finances are low, I've just got to save those up. When my, my relationships are going pear-shaped, I'm just going to move away from everyone. When I'm feeling discouraged, has anyone been in that place and you feel discouraged and that in those moments, sometimes you start talking to yourself and you just start going down this spiral of feeling more and more discouraged because woe is me and things are bad and everything's bad and life is terrible and boop, 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 you go down. But in those moments of maybe feeling discouraged, where you go out and you start encouraging someone, isn't it the truth you start feeling better? Isn't it the truth that you start feeling encouraged yourself? There is an economy of God that where our natural tendency, when the reserves are low, when things are running and feeling a little bit on the edge of empty, is that we want to hold back and reserve those things. But the truth of it is that as we continually allow it to pour out, as we continually allow it to splash and bless others, that isn't it the truth that it just helps us so much more, that there is this pouring out that takes place, that this woman over here, that her, her desperation was that she's just got this little amount of oil, but then as she poured it out, as God grabbed hold of what she was willing to tip out, he multiplied it and kept multiplying it and kept multiplying it. 
that we may have been even hurt in the past at serving at church and you know it's hard and they don't love me and it's been really hard and now I'm tired and all the rest of it and you're like I'm not doing that anymore I've, I've had my season I'm going to sit back now I'd encourage you don't stop letting it fall don't hold back there is a blessing that comes as we continually pour it out there is a blessing that comes and don't do it for any man don't do it for any leader but do it for God and yourself that there is an absolute blessing that comes from being a part of what God's community does and as we pour it out he richly blesses what we pour out the enemy can't if he can't stop us seeing what we've got he sometimes stops us giving what we've got and I just encourage us that don't stop allowing yourself to pour out and whatever that looks like in whatever context that there is a blessing of God that just happens and flows through our lives that God just wants to use. I remember as growing up in a, a large family, six kids, mum and dad, um, lots of mouths to feed, four brothers, obviously the father and dad, so five guys, lots and lots of food consumed. They came out to Australia with $3, so they didn't have a lot of money. I was born here in Perth, some of the siblings in India, and they didn't have a lot, but there was never a moment we all had lots of friends and they all came to our house to eat. There was never a moment that they ever said, no, there's not enough. There was always this open door with hospitality. There was always this open door to never hold back. There was always this open door to always give generously. And yet, when I reflect back, they really didn't have a lot to give. But for whatever reason, it just kept pouring out there was always something we never lacked anything so I don't know my day and age even with my kids growing up sometimes like oh do I have to really feed another friend I'm like I don't know about this and I remember back to my parents like Michelle get a grip um, there is this tendency to be holding back sometimes because it's not convenient but to always allow the Spirit of God, whatever context we find ourselves in, to allow Him to be able to use us to be poured out, not to hold on to it, not to keep the reserves, but to be in that position that for these empty jars, that as God fills it, as we pour it, as we continually pour it, that His Spirit would be continually at work in us. I'm going to invite the band to come up. That we are those jars. When we think about this scripture, when we think about God using us, he says, you are my vessels. You are these jars. That maybe for some of us, you're a little bit like me and like just a little bit too full of myself. Not in the bad way. Just, you know, tanks are filled. And there's not much space for God to be able to come and pour into us. 
Or maybe you're in that other extreme where it's like, I'm on reserve and I don't feel like I've got much to, left to give. That quote, that phrase that is often said, if you want something to be done, go and ask a busy man because they get this concept of understanding of not holding back. They just get things done. You look at Musa out there on the coffee cart and he's one of those guys that are always getting things done. He's here, there and doing all sorts of things that I don't even know what he does. Where does he get the time? His heart is that he wants to serve the church and he will not hold back from that. The only guy that's really willing for my women's ministry as well. <laughs> he bravely comes every time. <laughs> There's not one part of him that would hold back from the things that he is able to pour out for God. So as the team are leading us in these next moments, that I'm going to invite us to stand on our feet. We're going to sing that song, Oceans. And there might be something that God is speaking to you about through this idea of where am I? Is this jar of mine so full that, God, there's no space for you to pour into? Is it, God, that this, I'm on the edge of empty and I just need your spirit to come and fill this jar? Whatever it might be in this moment, I'm going to encourage you to come down the front. would love to pray with you. Pray that the spirit of God would be at work in your life.